and three or four men who are earning way more money than me come in and they talk about themselves and what they're doing. And I'm like, they're not living. No. They're existing in a construct that they have been raised or society has made for them. But their empathy engine, their emotional engine, it's not really switched on yet. Welcome to Third Culture Africans, the lifestyle podcast for dreamers, thinkers, and doers. We celebrate artistry, share stories from those brave enough to create something and succeed, listen to diverse perspectives on African success, and those shifting the needle on culture. I'm Zezo Sal, your host. On this week's episode of Third Culture Africans, we have a brilliant mind who is taking digital real estate and publishing from the heart with a ton of empathy, a champion of love, and an incredible giant who is doing purposeful work with an emotional connection. Help me welcome Miss Anne Harriman of What We See. Thank you, Miss Anne, for joining us on this episode of Third Culture Africans. It's a pleasure having you. Are you comfortable? Yep. I just want to mm, balance. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. I guess the premise of the show for me when I had the grand idea of creating a show that spoke to, by and large, a lot of my friends who I respected in their individual endeavors. But nonetheless, we all seem to have a collective In terms of an upbringing, we're all third culture kids and having a show that was very much geared towards, I guess, our voice, because I think we're able to do something within the ecosystem that you don't find often. And when I had a list of guests, actually, you were one of the very first guests on my list. So I'm glad that I managed to pin you down. Yeah, it's like, get him. He'll go for the (laughs) opening of an envelope. It's easy. (laughs) And... You're an incredibly busy guy. You are the founder of What We See. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll let you get into what What We See is in a little bit, because I don't want to give it all away. But it is a game-changing digital publishing company, if I can say that. I, mean, I don't even know. It's an octopus these days. <laughs> it started out as that. Yeah. Yes. And you are now notably becoming an incredibly sought after photographer. I guess your style will be considered photojournalistic. Yeah, reportage style, um, candid, definitely the opposite of like high fashion editorial. And self-taught in two years. Yeah, yeah. YouTube. Shout out YouTube. It's, it's, (laughs) It's not just madness, not just cat videos. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Great pleasure to be here. Thank you for coming. I get this question. So what are you going to ask me? And you asked that just before we we started rolling. I try not to put questions out before because I think I love watching and hearing people and also people hearing themselves share bits of their journey, which they've discounted or discredited Mm. as a part of how they've ended up where they are today. Yeah, sure. And I think in the quest for entrepreneurship and building businesses or brands, we seldomly take the time out to almost look back at our timeline and see how we've arrived where we are yeah. because a lot of the time you're in the trenches you're too busy yeah, yeah. you're just in the trenches just trying Swimming to execute upstream. Yeah, yeah. yeah execute a vision and this is a, a great way way to do that so i always mention how i know my guests mm-hmm. i remember meeting you i don't want to was say, that a disco yeah it was after a disco, a disco okay <laughs> after We're a disco. okay um i remember meeting you in 2000 i want to say 2000 and Seven. How do you even remember this? Oh, because my memory is sharp. This is scary. Uh, 2007, and it was, I think I was just, like, it was like one of those like club nights, and then you're rolling into the den because they did the. <laughs> The Den, oh my god, Kilburn High Road, (laughs) memories, Balo's place, Niger food, yeah, with every sort of character, all walks. Everybody went to the Den, yes, and I remember, including a well fed rat, (laughs) (laughs) that I once saw casually leaving in the in an afternoon. And the rat looked at me, he's like, You're what? Oh god, (laughs) I see you. (laughs) Oh god. Oh, goodness me. And I remember sort of darting in because, you know, you're young and you think, oh, I'm gorgeous. And Mm -hmm. I remember darting in and then I think you had your mini then. 
Yeah. Did you have a your smart maid? car? Oh, smart you had car. something, yeah, some something tiny yeah, something. Yeah, that's typical me. And then you're like, "Hey, who are you?" Hmm. Lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> can I know you? <laughs> I don't. It, it wasn't very much a "Can I know you?" But I just thought, how odd. Yes. And I think we both had a bit of a dry sense of humor, and it was again a den evening where everyone's had a bit to drink. Yeah. And I mean, just just for the den was uh, similar to sort of Cafe Ellen on Edgeware road is one of those places people when they're inebriated go and they run into other people or make new friends drunk eating in the dense context nigerian food which is something most nigerians yearn for when they've had a little bit of liquor in them that's exactly where apparently i met you in 2007 I think then we started talking about movies and you shared your passion for movies and I would watch movies pre-children. It was a pastime mm-hmm. and then there was music and then for me at the time there was art and photography. Unbeknownst to me you were known. Was I known? I think you were known then. You were still making quite a lot of money then <laughs> as a headhunter. <laughs> You're so funny. You were. Everything's relative. I mean, you know, I was a working headhunter pre-08. It was a good run. This podcast is sponsored by Malay Natural Science. Malay's products are inspired by the rich landscapes, alluring scents, and ancient wisdom of Africa. Their luxurious fragrance and body care range balances 100% natural active ingredients and scientifically proven formulas to heal, protect, and pamper your skin. Malay ships worldwide and you can buy their products at maleeonline.com. They also offer a free sample if you'd like to try. So your first business was? Well, my first business was not headhunting. It was after I dropped out of university. Day one? Day one. I mean, hour two. Insert cringe for every African parent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm a university dropout too. Ah. (laughs) Sorry, auntie. (laughs) Not wanting to go back home or to London, I set up a promote club night doing parties with my brother and a few friends because we knew through kind of our sports exploits and the kind of schools that we went to and being pretty much the only black friends of a lot of... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> of our crew and that was when hip-hop was just becoming you know diddy was you know it was becoming real popular culture we said look why don't we just do nights where we get djs and play the music that we like instead of people taking their shirts off and singing oasis songs we can give them something to really shake to very true and it just kicked off so your first uh, night it, was it, where? it's not something i'm super proud of but it, it was kind of r&b and hip-hop nights for posh people that was <laughs> But it grew and, you know, we we had a network of friends, so we were doing nights and we're making a lot of money. But, you know, when you're 19, 18 years old, making like cash in hand. So this is 99. What club did you guys play your parties Oh my God, this is in Bristol initially. So we did places like Poonana and um, (laughs) the place called Steam Rock. And then we, we moved, they started doing a place called Cabaret. And then I did a few guest list kind of only things at China White. Oh God. And then we had our own night at Movida. Oh God. You know, all, all of that sort of stuff. But then we just spend all the money we made at Bougie's. And Jake Parkinson, <laughs> if you're listening, you must be a rich man. <laughs> but it was great. It was a really nice time. And it was pre the social media sort of Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Vine, everything, Facebook of, of era. So we were freer. And we can make mistakes and you can act a fool. And also there was a lot less of an aspirational nature. Yes, boys will be boys and they will try and buy champagne they can't afford to impress women that don't care. But it's not the same thing now where young people are saving all of their money so they can put something on a newsfeed. For the gram. Yeah. Uh, We didn't have any of that. No. Uh, And, you know, also with women, the over-sexualization of the female form, which is something I have a huge issue about algorithmically how that works. We'll get to to the activist side of it soon. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, so... (laughs) The feminist um, in you, as well as the civil rights and human rights activist So my first job was doing club nights, and I did that in Bristol before moving to London, and then I got into headhunting with one of my old, oldest school friends, um, and we had a wonderful time um, moving lawyers and bankers pre-08. But it was just NUT a lawyer and banker no 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 well, we specialize in moving partners from mainly magic circle law firms so you know like Natus Clifford Chance that sort of thing to kind of white shoe New York DC Boston law firms that were opening up in London so they were offering three four times the salary and that's when I really understood the English gentleman subtle way you know I'd call a partner and say yeah you know blah 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 we'll, we'll do all the flirting and I'll just say listen you're on let's say he's on 400 grand we'll yeah. offer, they're gonna offer you like 1.5 yeah base yeah 
Yeah. A traditional middle upper class Englishman can't just say, oh my God, that's so much money. Give hey. it to me. Um, See, yeah, goes, oh, 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 this is interesting. I, I mean, sorry, can you repeat the number again? That was, okay, I'll do it. Maybe, maybe I can call you after, after work. <laughs> this guy will call me like 1am and he goes, my Lord, that's really, I mean, I speak to the wife, but it, seem, it seems very interesting, don't you think? <laughs> I said this man's taking the money. Nonsense, just collect oh, money. God. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> whereas if it was an American, it's like, dude, Oh, totally. Yeah. Americans would be so upfront. Yeah. I think Africans as well would probably be a little bit more upfront than the English. So you did that. Yeah. And then 2008 came. Yeah. And um, business became more real in the sense of, I think there was so much money in the city pre-08 for everyone mm. that deals were being done with almost, I mean, I was moving people sometimes without meeting them. I mean, I was call a dude and he'll take an offer. I actually would never meet him and yeah. you know in those days a headhunter would get 35% of the base salary of someone so you just had to fight more for, for your work and I was getting older and starting to think about Nigeria mm-hmm. and you know the programming we have ah you know I'm from you know this family and there's so much opportunity and also pressure from your friends and relatives saying ah what are you doing the recruitment come back yeah you know you, you know who you are <laughs> I wish everyone could see your face the way you did. No, but it's exactly right. (laughs) I kind of played around with the idea and then I decided to give it a shot. Going back over the next few years, looking at opportunities in numerous sectors. Um, Initially, I had an involvement with a company called NoCaro, which Mm -hmm. stands for No Kerosene, which is a great company that uh, is helping people that are living on the poverty line that can't afford diesel or anything for light. And um, it's a solar powered light bulb. I worked with them for a while, managed to get people like Didier Drogba to be the face of the brand. and did We'll it. get to your famous friends, because ah! <laughs> you have quite a lot of them. Well, you know, I, I still I still um, will always remember, and this is Didier, you know, at the height of his... At the peak his, of his career. Yeah, and he, he did this for no money at all when Coca-Cola and Nike were paying him God knows how much, because he, he knew how important it is for people, for a child to be able to read and, and, and not cough and mm-hmm. get ill or worse, a fire starts. So I was involved in business like that and then did a little, the, the usual Nigerian man journey of trying to be some kind of oil... oil, oil I am mogu. I don't even know. I am mogu, yeah, yeah, a hustler. So, mm-hmm. At one point, if you ask people what they did for a job, say, oh, I mean, was it oil and gas or something? Mm-hmm. And it was, it was non-descript. Yeah, but yeah. everyone was in oil and gas. Yes, I'm in oil and gas. Yeah. And s- seemingly everyone was in yeah, oil and gas. Yeah, and they'd never seen any gas or oil in their life. They wouldn't <laughs> even know what platform was. They didn't, on, yeah, but yeah. So you touched on early Missan. Let's dial back. So I guess the Nigerian audience would know your last name, Harriman, I guess. Some would, yeah. I'm not quite Burner Boy, but yeah, but people, people, I By guess. and large, I think in industry, I Yeah, think. yeah. So my father, my my late father was um, Chief of Harriman and, you know, was definitely one of the pioneers in, in real estate and many, many other businesses uh, he was involved with. Peak Milk, which yeah. is definitely think, a household I think name. he was one of the first of a wave of them at that time who create, who were serial entrepreneurs in the Nigerian space, who did it successfully and was a good reference because his peers at that time weren't entrepreneurs. You yeah, know and them. also he went, the two Harriman men, Uncle Leslie, my father's brother, my uncle, and himself and Uncle Leslie went to Oxford and my father went to Cambridge yeah. in 19... I don't know, you know, so my dad went to Cranfield Business School and again, you know, I speak to him about that era and your late dad is a little older than my dad. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I think the promise of Nigeria to them was more alluring than, oh, li- than living anywhere else. And so a lot of them just wanted to come back. It must have been an amazing time to come back when they did because yeah. also there were a lot fewer people in the room in terms of opportunities for, to, to, to get involved. But very few people wanted to take risks yeah. that even saw the ability to take risks. I think my dad's greatest ambition at the time when I asked him and he got at the time got offers from Guinness mm-hmm. and Shell and a few other companies. He really wanted to work for Guinness because again, they were, they were, yeah, but they were the generation that was transitioning, mm-hmm. you know, the colonial era yep. and into this new Nigeria. But they raised one big job for your whole life. Yep. Exactly. And mm. To be fair, my dad did one big job for his whole life. I envy, I actually envy that that kind of stability from what well, we're both yeah. in the hustle right now. It's, it's it's there's nothing wrong with that though. Not at all. I, as pro, as a product of it, I had a lot of I had a lot of perks from it. And so you come from that lineage, and so you have a successful dad, and you are one of three kids. Well, no, I'm one of many more mom. kids from my mother. Yeah, you know, I don't think there's anything new Nigerian men. 
have multiple so polygamous home basically yeah yeah yeah. and you were shipped off to the uk at how old oh my god too young little five six years old straight to boarding school your first memories of that i was lucky because i sprouted very i suddenly just became a very huge kid i like i I love to kind of pull the violin out and say i was bullied but i wasn't i was just too big um (laughs) (laughs) i was just too big to be bullied um if anything that they they like seriously some people thought i was somebody's parent at the stop yeah yeah because i was shaving at nine i was huge kid are you joking no joke Okay, leaving Nigeria. I guess when you're much younger, you the transition isn't. I, I guess your consciousness around your environment isn't as stark or isn't as clear. I was very sporty, mm. so you know, boys. Now, you know, before you know it, you're just too busy running around playing rugby, doing athletics, and if you're good at it, you find an identity there. The difference for me is that I was always yearning for something in my emotional engine that some was missing. I found that in film, in music, and arts, and I think because I was the at the top of the food chain in terms of physicality, I didn't need to feel I needed to fit in with anyone. Yes, you know, yes. there's no one that could force me to follow them. Yeah, so it made me be very daring in looking for things that moved me. I was a kid that always went to the video club in those days. I'd always recommend if we were going to cinema, all Mm -hmm. of that. So I was curating, Mm -hmm. if you like, before I even knew what the meaning of that word Mm -hmm. was. It was not traumatic school. I I enjoyed it, if I'm being honest with you. The food wasn't great and showers twice a week was a bit odd. But um, Hold on, you guys would shower twice a week? Twice a week, but then on the other days we get flanneled down by sister, we called her. We actually called her sister, which is like a matron. And she was... She was lovely, but it was looking back, it was a bit strange. We had shorts in winter term, still had the cane in those days. So it was it was quite dr- draconian in its setup. It's I mean, it's much more modern now. They had fagging, which is basically official formal bullying, which is ridiculous. And so you survived that? I loved it. I wasn't particularly very focused in the classroom. I'm dyslexic. And definitely, even though I was very privileged to go to, to you know, some of the best schools in this country, they weren't necessarily tooled for how my mind is set up. So I found the classroom very slow and I felt my mind was always just bored, you know, in how they were trying to give us information. And it wasn't until this thing called the internet arrived into my life that I was able to find a medium that could serve my crazy mind at the pace and the frequency that it needed. Up until that, I was not good at school. I was really, really didn't, I wasn't good at written exams. I didn't take the information in because it wasn't given to me the way that my brain needed. But the moment you put a, you know, I had a computer Hmm. and I went online for the first time, that was it. I just became a different, I feel like, like a rebirth, like, you know, literally parts Hmm. of my brain that had never been used were just you know, electricity was running through them. And um, I became a digital hoarder of content. Would you say that that's what birthed what we see? I was born to to help people see the very best of the human condition. So whether that's me listening to a song and then putting that headphone on just one of my friends Mm -hmm. for them to feel what I just felt, or whether it's me building a media business that reaches Mm -hmm. quite a few people now, uh, it's always quite what. a few <laughs> it's always to me it's the same thing like if i if i feel something yes i i i don't want to keep it to myself i mm-hmm. want as many people as possible to, yes. to enjoy that okay so speaking modestly let me give a few stats in terms stats. of your okay. achievements she got receipts i've got receipts <laughs> y'all your bio says you're a publisher yeah a social media strategist a content curation specialist mm-hmm I think you need to include content creator now. Yeah, well, yeah, that's new. Luxury brand consultant, a guru in branded content, and business development. Yeah, I've tried a few of those, definitely. Your bio says that, but what you've omitted, and modestly so, and everyone seems to do this, you've managed to build a community of about 8 million people online. Your average monthly views from Asia... Europe, Africa, Middle East, USA, monthly ranges from anything from 13 million to about 16 million a month. Yeah, that's about right, yeah. From each region. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's bonkers. I know. And, uh, and you've had 2 billion video views on your platform. Probably 3 billion by now. We haven't updated that in a while. I remember I used to get so excited by numbers in, in the early days. I mean, I used to. If I get two hundred views on an Instagram post, I'm 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 jumping. <laughs> well, you know, it's not. I mean, 
200 of the right views can be as important as a gabillion of the wrong views. But you managed to make a living off your 3 billion views. Yeah, look, my whole thing is I watched what Jonah Peretti did when he built something called BuzzFeed whilst he was still working for Huffington Post. Mm -hmm. And he was one of the first people to realize that in this new age of publishing, you could build a billion dollar business on digital real estate you don't own. So, you know, BuzzFeed was initially built out of viral videos, out of a lot of clickbait on a website, but really powered by Facebook. And then other pseudo copycat businesses came like Unilad, Lad Bible, the loads of others now. And all of those those businesses have shown that people have you know chosen to spend time in the kingdom, if you like, of Zuckerberg. So Instagram, Facebook, and other uh, unicorn social media platforms. And it was a real stark difference from the print media houses that I grew up with. So Hearst and Condé Nast, Elle, Cosmo, Vogue, Vanity Fair, that were very much walled gardens where editor-in-chief was the, the superstar that controlled everything. You had to either subscribe or go out and buy one. All of that had completely changed. And the, the, the transition from print to digital was really exciting because it meant that someone like me that had no experience in print could build a publishing house that could reach millions of people in a couple of years. But you say that without crediting the fact that you've always been appreciative of beauty, yes, appreciative then, of the art. Yes, but there are plenty, plenty of people that can say that, you know, it's yeah, like... Yeah, but I think, I think your appreciation of it is not the average. Mm. Whether or not that gave you the passport to be able to create what we see mm. in a non-digital age mm. begs the question but someone like Virgil Abloh or mm. you know who isn't a trained designer mm. and who loved the industry and, and has found a way to, yep. to be yep. the head of one of the yeah, most notable houses with a camera definitely Virgil's a, yeah. he's done very well and I think when when you look at I guess third culture kids because mm. he's also a third culture yeah, kid yeah, yeah. I'd love to have him on the podcast, if you know him. <laughs> no, I don't. I ran into him at an airport hotel randomly, and I think he thought I was an absolute nutter. Because you know me, I, I have no filter. I was like, hey, what's up, man? We all do this. He's like, eh, okay. Yeah, I'll see you later. <laughs> um, and I think, again, common thread in, in the sense that we see the world slightly differently. Mm. And I think the power of technology now and in this digitized world is that we have permission now to express the other parts of ourselves that other cultures have helped mold and mm. our own cultures have helped mold. And the openness to say, I am dyslexic. But hey, I dropped out of university and these are my successes and these are my failures. Mm. I don't think that we hear that enough yeah, in yeah. our communities. Yeah. I don't think that we think about the timeline of life in the right way and in the way that it actually is reality. Because I think as an 18, 19 year old, if you dropped out of university day one, hour two, mm. you're persona non grata really mm -hmm. for a while in, mm. in your family. Mm -hmm. And you feel like your world's ended, but somehow you have to create this new world. And pre-digital, yeah. there were no real references. No, and and even, even post-digital of people that look like us, I think. You yeah. know. It's the arrogance of youth as well. I think when, when, when you are that age, you kind of have this energy to think, F it, I'm going to figure that out. And then you combine it with the privilege that I know I've had. So what I mean by that, so I'm, I'm mentoring a couple of gentlemen, young men that are incredibly talented that have not had the privilege that I've had. And I also went to uh, something called Sales Pitch, which is going to Wandsworth Prison and meeting mm, men. A lot of, all the men look like me. Yes. And talking to them um, about what they will do when they get out of prison. And one of the overriding things is that none of those men had had the same experience as me in terms of the theatres, mm. the museums, mm. the films yeah. that I had from the age of five. And so many of the most important decisions of my life is because I've had this privilege to have a bigger world yeah. than somebody who has grown up in a single parent home, that cycle Great. of, you know. Um, so I speak to a lot of those guys and, and also talk to them and show them content that has had a profound effect on my life. Yes. And that is a real reason. If you want to get down to what, what we see is, it is, oh. I want to democratize availability of life-changing experiences digitally. Mm. I do not want it only for people that happened to have won the lottery of life and was born into a wealthy family. And I want all of that experience that I have that has shaped who I am to be given to anyone with two things, an inquisitive mind, 
and an internet connection. If you have those two things, the business that I've founded will take you on a sensory journey that will mm. help you find your own truth. Well put. <laughs> well put. Hey, this is how you're raising the money. Uh, I don't know, <laughs> my mouth. Um, but I think, I think that's needed. And I think also people hearing your story is needed mm. because I think we sometimes lack the clarity to see how people do what they do, the obstacles that they face, mm. especially in our communities. It's yeah. not something we talk about. Yeah. yeah. Um, I yeah. think you and I are candid about business and, and, and the trenches and, yeah. well, and the ups look at, and the Look downs. at the access you and I have, yeah. and it's still tough. So imagine, imagine not having what we have. Yeah. Um, I'm hopeful that Third Culture Africans, that the show gives our peers, the generations to come, mm -hmm. a reference point where they can hear your journey and be inspired by it. Yep. The businesses that we all create aren't just businesses. They're all, I always say we all do purposeful work. And I think you do purposeful work when you've contextualized how, how what you do is yep. purposeful in our communities and in the lives of anyone who encounters what we see. Beyond that, the responsibility of us being able to present businesses, especially with our heritage, our businesses aren't just businesses. Mm -hmm. Our businesses always empower, always shed light on. And historically, the publishing uh, industry is not for people of color. And as Africans, we've always had a community of publishers with our heritage. Mm -hmm. Digitally, I guess you're one of the pioneers. There are not many founders of media businesses no. that are... Many? Well, that I'm sure there are people that um, have a specific niche, but what we see is quite broad in, in its, in, you know, in what it does. Yeah. And um, and it's content for everyone, right? It is, but that you always... I will say this, you know, if you if you really look at it, you know, you say that the person behind this has had quite a multicultural experience because frankly speaking, I have had a very different life experience than the average sort of editor in chief in their corner office in Manhattan, yes. for example. Right? Yes. You know, I will want to write about things or have the team research and put things that are not always going to be the obvious things that you're gonna see in, you know, sort of Grazia or yeah. you know. <laughs> but there's a level of empathy to your work, right? And and there's a level of activism. Yeah. to your work and and there is a voice to what we see yep. that is a real world voice it's a people voice yep. and it's a voice that, and that this shouldn't be a rare thing this is the thing when when i when people compliment me and i get a little bit like my face screws up and they're like why are you being i'm like because empathy yeah is, is it shouldn't be a unique you, you know what i mean yeah it's like, and in the age of trump and, and but, but all don't this. but don't forget that the publishing the publishing industry was built to serve a purpose. Mm -hmm. It was built for brands to be able to market to the people that they needed to sell their, their yeah. products to. Mm. So the basis of the industry wasn't necessarily about empathy. You know, even the news channels were businesses yep. and they were used as tools for political gain yeah, or, or whatever. Definitely political gain. That, that's almost more important than the advertising. I yeah. Mean, was, uh, yeah. So when you're surprised by the idea that empathy is lacking, mm. same as your approach to publishing yep. has empathy because of your broad experience and vast experience of life. Yeah, I mean, we, we don't care if something gets one like or a million. I always tell the team that you need to publish heart first. So if there's any piece of content that you, has moved you and is, you know, is on brand with what we represent, then then let's, let's stick it up there. Um, you know, there are a lot of publishing platforms that will test something and if it doesn't get 50 likes in the first 10 seconds, they'll just pull it, you know, so they're mm. hacking an algorithm ra rather than publishing. So, you know, I feel what we see is a business built by a human algorithm because everything that has been published by us, somebody in the team has really been taken somewhere by the post. Mm. And, you know, frankly speaking, you can see the results. You know, we're sent hundreds, if not thousands of emails every month by people saying, we don't know how you guys do it. We don't, you know, but thank you. You know, it's nice having this safe harbor of interesting stories, music, films, artwork that is good for my mental health, but also teaches me more about the, you know, our wider earth. And I, and I do agree. Personally, I look forward to the posts. I find them, I don't, I don't know if the word educational is the right word for it. But I, I do find them to be a, a new lens yeah, yeah. into the world that I, I perhaps wouldn't have, have mm -hmm. experienced. And I, and I do enjoy 
what you share. And, and through that, there's an element of sharing yourself. Mm, which initially I didn't want. So I remember I used to call myself Mr. What We See. I was so paranoid about it. I hated the idea of influencers. I'm still not crazy about the influencer culture of this age. But when I started it, I just wanted it to be about the content. Yeah. But more and more, I've been dragged in and my, my whole sort of uh, story is, it is a big... But know, it's a bit impossible not I to know, have you... I yeah, yeah. I, I've, because a large part of the vision or the direction of the content that is yeah. on what we see is built, is built off of your mind. Yeah, yeah. It's like that movie, A Beautiful Mind. Oh, what a um, movie. Before he tips the scales yeah. and, and goes goes overboard. But like the movie A Beautiful Mind, yeah. if a business is built off of one person's mind mm-hmm. as a blueprint, mm-hmm. you cannot not be there. And it's something I struggle with. And hence I, I'm doing something like this because I find that for a long time, the relationship between me and Malay was something that I shied away from, mm-hmm. especially in the early days when you haven't achieved any success. Yeah, that's true. And in the early days, you can't own something because the, the benchmark of success in, in world terms or your community terms or your friendship circle or whatever prevents you from actually going, you know what, I own this. This is mm-hmm. my best work. Mm-hmm. And this is the best work I can put out. And whether it's one person or 10 people, or if I don't make the headlines, or I haven't been in a published in a magazine, or haven't yeah. had an editorial written about me, I don't care. Yeah. Um, it's really difficult to have that attitude at the beginning. But once you've been through... The trenches. Yeah. You then don't, you don't care. You don't care. Then it's about doing work that brings And you know you why joy. you're doing it. So. Yeah. And I think, like you say, those emails that of people, the mm. one person that touches you. This new year, I got tagged on a few posts and there was a lady who tagged me on a post that said you know um for inspiring her through the last decade Mm-mm. i couldn't believe it i think what we don't see beyond this is how impactful you know yeah. tyler perry says you know carry on, on on your vision but you have no idea how many people's dreams are based off of on, yeah. off of yours yeah and that, that's the good part of sharing your story and if you can manage to do that whilst being yourself what I was all scared of is, I, I, you know, I look at some of these influencers and they're, they're just taking the mickey. Yeah. It's just a creation, you yeah. know, and I know that's not my personality anyway, because I'm always fiercely... Brutally odd, honest. Brutally man. honest. Um, but I, you know, initially didn't want to do that. But no, yeah. you, you have to be able to let other people know that there's a seat at the table for them to try and do what you've done as a founder, as a woman, as a mother, all of those things. Yeah. If you share that in a really honest way, of course people are going to respond to it. Yeah. So you've touched on activist Missan. <laughs> it sounds like I'm in the front line somewhere with her. I think you're always honest about the causes you care about. I've got down in my notes, feminist, civil and human rights activist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think through what we see has helped you make differences. Yeah, massively because of the reach we have and the the influence uh, of that reach. Was that conscious to to, to bring that part of yourself? Yeah, I think when we got over a couple of million followers, I was like, bloody hell, we can, you know, I can probably start saying the earth is a strange shape. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and people, you know, even if 10% of our followers believe that, that's a shed load of people. It is, yeah. So I realized that we, and then I got more and more obsessed, like obsessed and upset mm. by what I call the weaponization of mediocrity, which is mm. the internet of this age, yeah. um, where too much low rent content was mm-hmm. being normalized, especially upset with how young women were following incredibly influential I mean Jamila Jamil said this better than anyone when a 14 year old girl is idolizing someone that sells lollipops that suppresses your hunger yeah we have a flipping issue yeah <laughs> that, that there's no you know that is not yeah. any approved by any kind of um, medical board mm-hmm. when men think it's okay to do what many uh, idiots like Vitali and you know I don't know if you know yes. who he is and who was that other complete plonker with the machine guns always in vegas with you know yeah. a whole bunch of b- bikini clad mm-hmm. and 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 they get likes and followers and i'm yeah. like you know it's it's not good enough we yeah. have to show whether or not kevin mark and all the other big founders don't care and they want freedom of speech there is a point where you have to curate a better experience yeah and that's one of the things as a, if you talk about activism i want to a, any woman that goes onto what we see would hopefully see inspirational stories of people that look like them, yeah. people that they maybe had never heard of. So I have yeah. a hashtag called WWS Women, yeah, which is just 
incredible stories of women that have done things. And, and, it's, I, it's... and I think it shows the beauty of real women, a real women with a richness to them. A richness to them, but also I put tragedy. You know, I remember when I, I found that story of a woman called Evelyn Frances McHale who jumped out of the Empire State Building in, I think, the 40s. And she mm. landed on the roof of a UN limousine. And a photograph was taken of her that is it's, it's a stunning photograph mm. of a young woman that's, that's left this earth. Yeah. And I did a talk and told a whole room of women mm. this story. And we, we don't know why she killed herself. Yeah. Um, but I had, I don't know how many LinkedIn messages from people saying, you know what, so many of their friends mm. that they think are going through mental health issues, they haven't bothered emailing or checking in. And after that, they yeah. all said, you know what, let, let's, let's yeah. check in on them. It, and it, I think in our community, I think people are quick to judge, mm-hmm. less likely to, to reach out and go, how do I help this person? Mm-hmm. How do we come together to help this person out of, you know, because I think, for us, morals and values mm-hmm. are very much, uh, you know, contextualized differently. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I guess it's because our lack of transparency yep. around mental health, our lack of transparency around the accountability in our friendship groups, yep. around keeping each other sane, yep. to be fair, yep. and, and nurturing our relationships in a healthy manner that yep. allow us to, to, to move forward. Sorry to interject, but... No, no, it's the biggest... Mental health, more than anything else, is the biggest thing that what we see is focusing on right now. Yeah. I think for a while, you guys did a lot of emotional growth. Yes. And self-growth. And then yeah. it was about the art of life and, yeah. and the beauty in life. That's fine. Um, but you need to be in a place to even want to grow, right? Yeah, very true. <laughs> um, very true. So, yeah, we're, we're putting our battle armor on uh, and going out. We're leaving, we, you know, we've grown a beautiful sort of tribe online, but we're actually going to the physical realm this year and going out to schools, hospitals, corporates and installing uh, what we see little media hubs where anyone can put on a headphone and watch content that we think will be good for the wellness of your mind. Amazing. Because I'm not happy to just wait for people to find us anymore. We're going to go and find them. And find them. Um, so that that's how important it is Great. for us. We touched on photographer. Photos. Yeah. Okay, so before I like get into that, I always do a part of the show where I get everyone to say their name properly. Okay. Because... I probably have even said your name incorrectly too. So okay. what is the proper pronunciation uh-huh. of your name? So I'm Shekuri, so yeah. from Wari Sapalekuku, and um, my full name is Eimisan. So everyone calls me Misan, but it's yeah. Eimisan, and my middle name is my father's first name, Hope, which is easy. Okay. And my surname is actually in English. Surname, <laughs> Harryman. So the only bit you have to really get is A.E. Misan. Yeah. A.E. Misan, Hope Harryman. But most people call me Misan, two syllables, you know, apart from, of course, in English boarding school, they couldn't manage Misan. So they all call me Harry, which is also two syllables. So I don't understand how they could say Harry and not But Misan. not Misan. The, I mean, really. <laughs> <laughs> so photographer Misan. Yes. This is post famous friendships with your tennis friend. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, you've had some notably famous friendships over the years. You know, you you meet people in life and some of them are famous, some of them are not. I don't ever plan to hang out with famous folk. It never happens that way. Um, But you're a likeable guy. Well... And you're a social chameleon. Not intently. I, I, I think I'm friendly. If there's depth beyond that friendship and also when people that don't trust people easily see that you ha- you don't have an agenda yeah. and they can maybe learn from this person or, or have a, a healthy relationship, mm. maybe that's why um, I've connected with, you know, some notable names over the years. But a lot of it is just super random, like meeting someone here or someone's dating this person. Like, oh, this is my new boyfriend, this is my new girlfriend. And you meet. It's, it's very, very But random. I've watched you in like one of the clubs, right? One of the and clubs, okay. literally, I was sat there across from you and it was like super straightforward. And then you just broke out into conversation with a random girl who was actually pissed at us for. Oh, can I swear? I haven't decided this? if I should be swearing on my on my show I think yet. You should. Okay. And she was she was upset. Let me use proper language because my mum probably just went, "Oh my god." Um, and she was upset at us for for talking. I think we're talking so loud, and we're talking about you editing. And you're like, "Oh, I'm done." And I'm like, "Oh my god, you did that so quickly." And we were disrupting the piece, right? Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, and you didn't even realize what was going on. Man. And then when I walked away, you broke out into a full conversation. So you're like, oh, so what's your name? 
<laughs> what are you doing here? Have you been a member of this club for a while? <laughs> yeah. No, I I um so a lot of my friends um have met their partners through me. I in the real single days AKA Cupid. <laughs> Well, because I was, you know, let, let me put it this way. If we're in a club and I'm with my boys, I yeah. was probably the only one that didn't need any Dutch courage at all. I didn't need to drink anything. And I, 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 I had no shame in walking up to a group of women and saying, hey, would you like to join us? Yeah. You know, just introducing myself. And yes, sometimes some of the women would be like, ew, go away. We don't know you. <laughs> and that's also fine. But I think so many people were scared of, of yeah. walking, you know, you know, into yeah. that void. I Again, have no... case in point, how we met. Yeah, I have no issue with that. Yeah. And I've done that my yeah. whole life. And mm-hmm. um, then I'll drag all my, my boys are all sitting there with their, you know, their shoes shining, looking very good. <laughs> I was like, all right, guys, you can come. And they'll just herd over like yes, cattle. Yes. And then, you know, you know, the rest is history. <laughs> but without me, without yeah. that ice breaking. Yeah. And in fact, there the are a couple of friends of mine, and I shouldn't be saying this, but I will. They would be chatting up women. And they're like, Miss Anne, look, I don't have any of your, your lyrics. I yeah. beg, please help me. So I would text them what to say. Yes. And then they would copy and paste it oh god and send it to the girl and it was really great up until the point where the the girl the woman had agreed to meet up with them on a date and it's like a different guy and they're like um who are you (laughs) during dates i would have guys say what should i say next okay talk about this you know what color are eyes okay what what you know when's the last time she cried okay fine when's the last time she cried i have a template yeah 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 because because you know you ask someone i love asking people when they last cried because it's like you're asking about the emotional engine and then you run with that and then you can you can open up another thing i love doing is taking women on dates to a place called don la noir Okay. Uh, in Clerkenwell, which was the restaurant where you had dinner in pitch black. Yeah. And I love taking, you know, if I if I met a woman that I thought was a little bit into herself. Yes. There's nothing better than both Breaking of us down, not being yeah. able and and a lot of those 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 ladies would actually get very very emotional and say things they would never do in a in a nice restaurant. Oh wow, look um, at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at that yeah. dating tips. Tricks. <laughs> now, is that the magic sauce to the power in your photography. What, dating? No, your ability to read or understand people and, and their primal natures. Yeah, and... I think a connection helps, yeah. but um, an understanding of light. You see, yes, I only picked up uh, a camera properly only a few years ago, mm-hmm. but my obsession with photography, as in obsession with, you know, all the greats from, you know, Sally Mann, Eve Arnold, Gordon Parks, it just goes on and on, mm-hmm. um, has been real. It's a very real thing. And I think I've been looking at black and white pictures for as long as I can remember. Yeah. So I just see, and also I shoot for black and white. So okay. contrast and light and composition is very important to me. Mm-hmm. Marry that with my ability to um, make people feel very comfortable very quickly. Yes. And also being utterly fearless in what I ask people to try and do i think that is the combination the results in pictures that maybe have a little bit of pop to them a little a little bit of pop yeah so you've shot everyone from i certainly have not shot everyone hey i'm about to make a list (laughs) you've shot everyone you shot princess beatrice you did her engagement photo shoot yes i did and that was lovely i i don't think that's normal for a two-year-old photographer hey Megan? Uh, yes, Duchess of Sussex. It was a pleasure to, to do a very candid... Oh, I say that. That's improper of me to call her Megan, isn't it? You said it, not me. I'm, I'm a commoner. <laughs> I should I should address her properly. Helen Mirren? No, I... Oh, yes, I have. God, I was about to deny Helen. Oh, yes, I have. Helen, Stormzy? Yeah. Stormzy. I've shot him a couple of times. Lovely, lovely William man. Neeson? Liam, yes. Naomi? Campbell, yes, I have, yes. Janet. Because I've done Naomi Scott as well, so I was like thinking which Janet one. Janet Jackson. Yeah, so that's when I had, so I put on my Instagram my fanboy moment where I almost melted. Um, Did your teenage self just like... Listen, man, particularly Janet was a huge part of me. When I was actually going through quite a lot of difficult, you know, those awkward years. Mm. I, I, I mean, Let's Wait a While, all those songs mean a lot to me, Yeah. Right? Seeing her, I never, like, I'm known to have met a lot of famous people, right? Yes. I never get starstruck, right? Uh, I just lost it. I really did. Yeah, but and she, was, she was with Rihanna. Sweating and screaming. You know, you know who's also quite famous, yeah. right? I, I barely acknowledged Rihanna. 
It was the weirdest thing. I, yeah. I just didn't. Rihanna's lovely. She was so sweet, polite, beautiful. Yeah. I just saw my Janet. You saw I Janet. I saw my Janet. Janet. Hey, gosh. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Janet. Oh. I'm showing my age. Janet. But, yeah, that was Janet. My Janet. Hey, gosh. <laughs> and Cornelius, um, the, the lovely young man that came with me to do the winner's room at the British Fashion Awards yeah. was filming. Yeah. I didn't know he was actually filming something. Oh my so God, so he got your reaction. He got the BTS and I was just like, oh dear me. So I posted it saying, whatever, man, I'm not going to pretend I'm this cool guy that never gets phased. Yeah. I was phased. In the face of some of the experiences you've had, you were out in Riyadh mm-hmm. recently. Mm-hmm. You've done some incredible photojournalistic work or reportage work in in the last, I would say, year. Yeah. So like, you know, famous people is great, but I also want my lens to observe the human condition. So Mm. I've been at the front line at Climate March, Extinction Rebellion, the Trump, the main, the big Trump protest in London. And I recently went to interview and observe the youth of Saudi Arabia. The first time they were allowed to have a proper knees up if you like and you know this is a country where 70 percent of the population is under 30. a lot of the images are yet to be published um, because of some sensitivity around that but it was it was extraordinary to see what especially women i have to say the women i met in saudi arabia you know independent business owners that are doing hustling you know really working not 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 dependent on their families also that there is a middle and a working class there was very interesting to me also that there is a huge black you know sort of tribe in saudi that's been there for millennia (laughs) i mean literally right that i didn't really know about so it it was not anything like what i expected uh, in the sense of the people that i was lucky enough to to have quite candid conversations with Hmm. but that's for another that's for a whole nother dinner i think fantastic so how does everyone find you you what we see the internet yes i'm online yes (laughs) Um, cash you online yeah what we see has maybe 12 13 instagram pages you know but you can go to the main hub ws digital what we see on instagram uh, our main website is what we see uh, and then for me miss ann i am on instagram miss ann harriman and then my facebook keeps growing facebook's going nuts at the moment yeah it's going very very fast that's where i share some of my imagery i have a little page called portrait of a soul where i do some of my more candid photography but i curate every instagram page myself it's really important that i still do that it keeps me you know it keep it keeps me like in in the wild with everyone else yeah um because you know when you get to the scale that we have i feel you can have higher people to do things and then you lose why you were doing this in the first place so mm-hmm. i literally update like seven or eight pages every day black and white vaults which is a beautiful i don't know if you follow yes that. i do yeah, it's a lovely Gorgeous. little thing so yeah still curating fundraising diversifying the business to to do many more things so we're doing a great event schedule we did some lovely events last year yes that was beautiful with, with, you know with a big event at the serpentine um we're going to be doing more festivals we're going to be working with you know mama group that run love box and wilderness um the photography is marrying very well with what we see um so lots of potential projects there and 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 trying to be a somewhat present father um family man and and yeah how have you found again this is something we don't talk about often uh parenting fatherhood motherhood it's coming from um a more traditional definitely my father was a a a kind of speak when you're spoken to father right Mm. um and i'm such an emotive kind of warm person that i knew i knew two things i i knew i'd have a daughter (laughs) i just knew it yeah um and i knew that that relationship would be so important to me that i am present Mm. as much as i can be Mm. um because i feel that um a lot of my childhood, like many uh, people from my sort of background, uh, the father wasn't even expected to be there, to be mm. honest with you. He was providing Abby. Yeah. So I'm not doing that. Camilla and I aren't like that. We're massively hands-on with, yeah. with, with the dog too. My firstborn, let's not forget about Nelson. It's been extraordinarily education. I think I've learned more from Isabella, my daughter, than, than uh, so far I've taught her. I would agree. And that is something I never predicted. Our, our daughters are, are, are similar in age. Very and, similar in age. And I think every day is a, is a marvel and every mm. day is a gift. And it definitely puts into context life. And hearing them starting to 
express themselves yeah. and how they fight for their place in the world yeah. without you you know there's so much that you you think you're teaching them but they're actually beyond that and i find that amazing but i want to also touch on women one thing i didn't know before becoming a father is the amount of nuances and complexities of life choices and hard work and sacrifices that women have to make to be a mother it is incredulous no, no but it's, it's like you you can't know that until you're uh, witnessing it right but i think lots of men witness it but don't necessarily appreciate it then they're douchebags <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. So, so, we no. went there on this episode um so i feel yeah. like we need a, a part two i've enjoyed having you on the show i hope you've thoroughly enjoyed being on the show listen a big part of what we have to do is lift each other and when you ask me i'm so sh- shit excuse my french in organizing without camilla honestly i don't know where i'll be but it wasn't when you asked me to do it it wasn't never in my mind that i wouldn't do it and i think that's how we have to be if yeah. if there are people that are within our network that are hustling and they're on their own path every little thing that you can do to help them yeah. you have to do that yeah. and it's really really important and again our brothers and sisters i i've seen i've spoken to you about this so many people from my own community i think when they get to a place of success they can sit on an island very much so um, but i think it's the mentality we're taught that and i guess this is why we have to do it differently oh, yeah, and yeah. and this is why our our spaces need to be spaces that are, allow for the next generation to to join in to yeah. participate and with the ability to create spaces that allow that to happen now digitally much more easier than your immediate network as you said we're both very privileged and fortunate to have our immediate networks be a large chunk of of people who have done great cultural things Mm -hmm. with with their own personal endeavors chasing their own visions and their own dreams but there are people out there like you rightly pointed out who have the same ability but just don't have the reference points or the exposure to be able to achieve well they're just not in the rooms i mean how many times have you been in a meeting or conference where literally i'm the only one if i'm in africa i'm lucky if the the one of the camera assistants (laughs) or the cleaner walks past and i think that's why this was so important for me because Mm. i feel like as we carry on, we have a responsibility to document our experiences. Mm -hmm. I think this is what we lack from your father's generation and the generation after that. I think we have the unique ability to now document that for for ourselves and also for the generations coming because we're doing it on a global scale now. And these businesses and these endeavors are transitioning into a different space mm-hmm. and it's creating the reference point or, or, or possibilities in people's minds. I, I always refer to going to the David O concert mm-hmm. when he did it and he sold out the O2. Mm-hmm. And I said to a friend of mine, what if when you were in high school or university, you saw this be possible? Would you have made the same decisions? Mm-hmm. And I think looking at some of our peers who have some talents or are in a career that really isn't doing much for them, but mm-hmm. are stuck in a rut or who... Or they stay for the money. Yeah. yeah. Um, again, none of us do this for the money. I wish we well, all that's did. That's rare. I mean, 95% of people, I mean, you, you, some we go to some of the same members yeah. clubs and I, I'll sit in the, you know, having a, a drink or having a cigar and three or four men who are earning way more money than me come in and they talk about themselves yeah. and what they're doing. And I'm like, they're not living. You no, know, they're existing in a construct that they have been raised or society has made for them. But the, their empathy engine, their emotional engine is not really switched on yet. And it actually is exactly what you said. It's a, an example of you are being what you're exposed to. And you add that with a little bit of capitalism, a little bit of cashola, because they can afford the skiing holidays, they can afford the nice cars, they can afford going on shoots, on estates. Yes. (laughs) And they feel that they have arrived. Yeah. You know, whereas you can read a Pablo Neruda poem and and get more from that single poem than their whole career. So you tell me which choice you want to make. And and I think that is it, right? I, I think for every guest on the show and including yourself, I think the common thread is that there's something about joy, understanding that life is beyond acquisition. But nice things are nice. But, Come on, but, but, we both like nice things. Yes, but, and we but, all like but, nice but, things. But, but you have to make sure 
even when you 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 get the you have the the means to buy something that you're doing it because you want to you know i think you know especially uh, in big parts of our own culture mm -hmm. you can go to certain places in nigeria and everyone will have the same car yeah every woman will have a variation of the same birkin Am I lying? Or just the expectation you know? that you should have certain things at a certain level in life. Yeah, because but you're doing that to be seen, to have them, mm -hmm. instead of, you know, I drove a smart car for a long time in, in my youth, not because I couldn't afford another car, it's because yeah. I bloody loved it. I could park anywhere. And but I remember my have, drag guys saying, yeah. now I, I see my range. Ah, ah. <laughs> but we have a shame culture and, yeah. and, and there's something about our lack of emotional education. Mm -hmm that leads to a cycle. And when a young African guy is raised on shame, mm. his need to achieve success and, and how he navigates his life, or even a young African woman based around shame, yep. creates the cycle that, you know, a lot of us don't want to repeat yep. and creates this hollowness in, in acquisition. Yep. Um, and benchmarking and and goalposting and not no growth, no no growth, and that's you always have to grow. If, if there's one thing we can we can really just sort of kind of point out here is that I have friends who I love dearly, but sometimes when I look at our WhatsApp correspondence, it's the same conversation I was having with them 15 years ago, and that's not good enough. Mm. Okay. We have to grow. And like I, I push back on my friend saying, why, why the fuck are you sending me that? Yeah. Come on, man. There's so much more to talk about in this world. There's so much more we can discuss and share together as friends. Yes. I don't want to see that shit anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so how does a young person who can't define where their expression mm -hmm. needs to be channeled, yep. but knows deep in their minds, in their hearts, that they have something special. Yep. How do they begin? Where do they start? How do they explore it's curation. It? You have to choose what you put into your mind. Yeah. So with a lot of young folk, I actually have a list. I send them lists. Like they, I make sure they, you know, they, they fully understand the Nina Simone story. And mm. I've digested that story. They understand all the, the players of the civil rights movement in America and in Africa, the yes. continental, yes. you know, I then curate films that as a black person really hit me. Mm. And then they're not just films with a black cast. They're yes. just films that hit me, Yeah, you know, and that's ranging from, you know, Jungle Fever particularly mm. hit me. A lot of the early Spike, Spike Lee stuff, yes. you know, Love Jones really yeah. hit me because a mix. Love Jones had middle class black people that weren't gangbangers that were into poetry. Yes. That were really looking for love. Yes. They, they were, you know, and yeah. I was like, Goodness gracious. Yeah. So all of the, those things. The, the myth that is love in African culture, by the way. Um, because, we, you know, it's, it, no one believes it exists. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, or very few people yeah. believe it exists. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think one of the beauties of what we see is that you guys celebrate that. Yeah. I, um, yeah and, and, and you champion it in all its forms. Yeah. And vulnerability, we champion. So, you know, yeah. um, I met Camilla. She's, she's yeah. Shout she's out my, to Camilla. She's, she's an incredible woman. Um, <laughs> but I also, we met each other at a time where we had been through a lot. Yeah. And we fell in love by feeling each other's scars mm. like Braille. Mm. And um, I, I'm very open about that. You have to show to your friends and partners, warts and all, because we're not perfect. No. And we make mistakes. And that's literally, it wasn't like, oh, you know, I, I didn't project how fabulous my life was to her at all. I showed her that, you know what, I'm a bit of a mess right now, but it's me. This is who, who's who I am, you know? Well, Miss Anne, it's been an incredible show having you. And hopefully everyone has a big grin on their face like I do. Hey, thank you for listening. Very good. Very, very good. Um, um, no, I'm taking over. Okay. So, Zeze. <laughs> This is Tell my show. Me. This is my show. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm being silly. But no, really, really kind. Uh, I know everything that, um, not everything, but I, I know some of the peaks and troughs that this remarkable woman sitting opposite me have has been going through. Like we all go through, but I, I'm a bit more privy to it um, than maybe some of y'all. And it is inspiring to see someone grow with grace 
and a determination to be as good a woman, businesswoman, friend, mother, dancer. Oh, shags. Um, Thank you. As, 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 as she can be. And I think one thing I'll just say to, to you is, Madame, just stay on this road. Thank you. And we will follow you. Thank you so much. God, I sound like a priest. Oh, God. Thank you so much. This is Third Culture Africans, guys. Um, There is no script. Thank you for tuning in this week. And we'll catch you on next week's episode. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this episode of Third Culture Africans, the lifestyle podcast. We would love to hear from you. So please find us on Facebook or Instagram at Third Culture Africans and leave us a comment. A review goes a long way in getting our show noticed. So please leave us one if you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you next time.